Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. Okay, so we are in the second week of a series that David kicked off last week. Um, it's really actually, uh, the, the series is a multiple, I always struggle how to say this, it's multiple installments of a series. It's a series of series. I don't know how to say that. It means, okay, we're going to talk about the kingdom, and this, this part of it is called the kingdom story. We're going to go through this for like the whole summer, basically, all right? And then we'll take a break, and then we'll come back, and we'll do another chunk that we'll call the kingdom mission, I think, and then we'll take another break, and then we'll come back and talk some more about what we're going to call the kingdom identity, okay? Does that make sense? So there's multiple installments. And you're like, wow, we're already spending the whole summer <laughs> on the kingdom. We need like multiple installments. Like, why, why are we doing that? I love David actually was asking that last week um, in his teaching. He was like, can't, can't this be shorter, right? Um, and, you know, really one of the things that we have uh, we've learned, and, and if you've been around here uh, for a while, I, I don't know if you've noticed a little bit of a, a shift in how we how we do our teachings and how we just think about things as a church is like, like we've realized that you really to get something, right? To be formed by truth and to be able to actually have things get into your heart, into your mind in a way that matters, right? So not just like, like coming on Sunday and, you know, feeling, feeling good about having shown up to church and maybe hearing something inspiring, no, like beyond that, beyond that, like what does it take to actually have God's truth come into you in a way that forms you uh, and us, right, more and more into the people that he wants us to be? And it turns out that takes time. <laughs> and it takes actually attention. It takes soaking in things and kind of marinating them and, and actually and, and showing up, right? So again, that's why I applaud all of you guys for being here. And week in and week out, being able to be in a place where you're able to actually take in kind of slower, right? Um, this, this topic, the kingdom, um, as I'm sure we'll mention many times, the kingdom of God is the thing that Jesus talks about the most by far, <laughs> by far. And so it really is the central, the reason why we're calling this the kingdom story is that, that we see this narrative unfolding. The whole of scripture is actually oriented around this idea of God's kingdom. And so, yeah, we're going to take some time with that. We're going to try to absorb a little bit what that means, um, kind of on a theological level. Uh, but we're also going to really try to let that soak in. As we go through, there's so many different aspects of it. Um, and, and we're going to let it soak in in a way that hopefully changes us, right? Changes us in some real ways that, um, that helps us in our life and that actually enables us to live the lives that God calls us to, right? That's the, that's the goal. Um, and, you know, the thing about the kingdom is... Actually, it's really easy to get it wrong, <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why we want to spend some time with it. It's really easy to get it wrong. In fact, um, people have been getting it wrong for, from, from the beginning. If you look in the Old Testament, as we're going to start doing next week, this is sort of like the week two of the intro, okay? So next week, we'll actually get into the story part. We're going to go into the Old Testament a little bit, and if you look into that, you'll, you'll see like, like they don't, people don't really understand what God is talking about when he's talking about his rule and his reign. And then certainly in the New Testament, when Jesus hits the scene and he starts talking about the kingdom of God, like nobody gets it. 
Like, even in the disciples, like, the disciples at the beginning, you can understand, like, as he's talking about his kingdom, and, and they don't, they're, like, really confused, or, like, what are you talking about? But even after Jesus goes to the cross and dies and resurrects and he comes back with them, they're still, they're still confused about it, even after that, right? And the reason for that is because the kingdom of God is actually, in some ways, not very straightforward. There's actually a mystery to it. There's, there's depth and uh, there's a counterintuitiveness to it. Um, there's a way in which it runs against the grain of really everything that we know and everything that we um, think we know that makes it hard to grasp. And so, so that's why we're going we're gonna to spend some time on it, okay? So I hope you'll come with us and, um, on, on the journey here and that we'll uh, be able to be formed together on it. So, um, so before I get into our, our scripture, which is, is going to be a very familiar passage, I wanted to start by uh, just playing a little, uh, little bit of a, uh, just a one, one picture game of, do you know who this is? Who, who is this person? Okay. Now, when I show you this picture, I'll just say a couple of disclaimers. One, if you know who it is immediately, don't, don't blurt it out. Okay. This game's not for you. Okay. I'm, I'm curious about like the, the rest of the general public. Okay. So if you're, if you already know who this is, it's because, you know, you're, you're, you're immersed in this world and that's, that's great. It's not for you. Okay, so it's for, that's, yeah, that means, that means you, Sharon. Um, so, all right, and, and Isaac back there. Um, okay, so here is the picture. Oh, one more disclaimer. Okay, that, this actually, I felt like this was important to say. When I start talking about this, <laughs> some of you who have been around me for the last couple of months, you're going to groan, maybe loudly, and you're going to say something to yourself like, Come on, Caleb. Did you, you just couldn't help yourself, right? Like you have to be talking. You might say something like that. You just have to. You just have to be talking about this. And if that's your reaction, I'll just say you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. That's probably fair. Okay. But there is a reason why I'm talking about this. So <laughs> I wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't directly tied to the teaching in some way. So just come along with me. Okay. All right. Here we go. Who is? Who knows who that person is? You don't get to play. You don't get to play back there either. Okay. You, you, okay. All right. Anybody, anybody who didn't immediately know who that was? Okay. No clue. No clue. <laughs> Thanks, Becky. I'm just curious. Anybody? No? Okay. All right. So this is, who, who is Isaac, who is this? Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic. Okay. Nikola Jokic is the six foot 11, 285 pound center for the National Basketball Association's Denver Nuggets, okay? There's a basketball player, all right? So, groan, groan, there we go. It's out in the open now, all right? This guy is currently, as we speak, he's, uh, he is playing in the NBA Finals, um, and he is uh, going up against the Miami Heat. I don't, see, I don't see Rita here, so this is good. I don't get things thrown at me. Um, so, so he's, he's playing in the NBA Finals. Uh, he is, I don't, I don't even know what to say, but he's, a, he's an amazing basketball player. He is just, he is, he is one of the best. He's always, he's certainly one of the best playing right now. He's entered into the discussion about whether he's the best player, uh, best, best center ever, you know. I think maybe eventually there'll be talk about, you know, him up in that great pantheon. He's, he's, he's doing things in the NBA Finals right now. Uh, game in and game out that are like totally historic, things that literally no one has ever done before. Uh, the, the other night, 
the other night, uh, he and his teammate, Jamal Murray, put up a stat line that literally had never been done in any game in NBA history. Playoffs, regular season, never. Just pretty impressive, all right? He's, he can, and he can do it all. He's just, he's such a joy to watch, you know? And he's, he's bringing, he's bringing, I, I think, on the verge of, I think I feel safe saying this, he's, he's going to bring a national championship to my Denver Nuggets. And I am just so happy about it. <laughs> I am, I am. I, I, I make no apologies about it, so. Um, so, so that's, that's Nikola Jokic. I could go on for a long time, but then the groaning would really start for, for real. Um, but, you know, there's, there's these people, right? There's these people that we see perform out there in public or uh, that we admire, you know, kind of from a distance, and, and we're like, wow, that's a, really, that's a really cool person. And actually, I want you to think, obviously, most of you, for most of you, uh, Nikola Jokic would not be the person you're thinking of now. This is, I, I, this is like a baseball town, and, and increasingly, I think, a soccer town, right? But, uh, but, but uh, for me, that's, you know, Nikola Jokic. I want you to think about, like, is there somebody in your mind who you'd say, yeah, like, I'm a really big fan of that person. I'm a really big fan of it. In fact, like, they, they do things that, in, at least in some small way, maybe, bring more enjoyment to my life, right? Like, so that might be, I mean, that might be another athlete, right? We're here. I mean, I, I see Kitty and Debbie here. So that, that might be Patrick Mahomes, for example, right? Okay. So uh, that might be, yeah, I don't know. You, na- you, name your, you name your athlete, or maybe that's, maybe that's some artist for you, a um, musician, or um, somebody, somebody like that. Right? Maybe, maybe it's even, I don't know, I don't know if this could be said or not, but maybe it's even some public figure or some politician or maybe some past politician that you really like, somebody you looked up to. Or, I don't know. If, if there's someone in mind, okay? So I just want you to have someone in mind like that, okay? Like a Nikola Jokic. All right? You got that? Can you think of somebody? All right. So I'm going to ask you a, I'm going to ask a question about that. And, and this, is, this might sound at first like kind of a little bit of a gotcha question. It's not meant to be that at all. This is a serious question, just to, to help us reflect a little bit, okay? This is not about making you feel bad or anything, okay? Here's the question. Oh, not that. What is the difference in my attitude towards, fill in the blank, your person, towards Nikola Jokic, compared, that's grammatically incorrect, <laughs> to my attitude towards Jesus, okay? <laughs> David's so happy, he's like... Kayla's got a grammatical error on his slide. All right, yep, it's true. I know, Emily's not here today either, so to give me trouble about that, thank God. All right, so what is the difference in my attitude towards this person compared to my attitude towards Jesus, okay? And again, not a gotcha, not a gotcha question. Um, the reason I'm asking that is because, you know, I've been noticing something as I've been consuming vast quantities of uh, Denver sports media around the NBA, right? And I'm listening to all the sports talk and people talking about how excited they are. And you got, you got one of the things that you got to understand is, you know, the Nuggets have been a team for 47 years, 47 years, never been in the finals, and then obviously never had a championship, right? So it's like, there's just all this like pent up, you know, longing, really. I mean, I don't think that's at all too strong of a word uh, for this thing to happen. And it's like all on the back of this one guy, Nikola Jokic, who like just 
you know, he's like the superstar. And, and everybody loves him. I mean, they love him, absolutely love him. And the, the, the talk that you start to hear around this person, it honestly starts to sound a little familiar, right? Like something else. Things like, man, nobody is like Nikola Jokic. There's nobody like him. Man, he can do it all. He's the greatest ever, right? He owns the city. Like, I could go, I, I could go on and on. There's, all, there's all, this, all this investment and all this affection and all this love for this guy. And it's all kind of all backed by this, like, longing that's in there. And, like, you get, I don't know, I just, I listen to that and I can start to hear the echoes of, well, boy, that sounds a little bit like what we say about Jesus, doesn't it? Like, it sounds a little bit like the, uh, the affection, the, the worship, right? The, the songs that we say, there's, there's aspects of that that show up in that language that we have for this person. And, you know, like, actually, a lot of that is probably okay and, and probably warranted. And, you know, it's not, it's, it's like, it's not wrong to admire someone. It's not, it's not wrong. I don't, I don't think it's wrong to want an NBA championship. I hope not. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I do want that. Um, but it's interesting to think about because, you know, as much as we might have affection or, or admiration or, or, or for someone like that to bring some enjoyment into our life, you know, for us to have this adoration for this person, you know, the thing that can't happen with that <laughs> is that that person, in this case, Nicola, that that person cannot actually affect your life in the, the really deep way, right? They cannot, we're talking about the kingdom of God here, we're talking about the rule and reign of God. That person cannot rule your life, right? You could actually try for that to be the case, right? And I can, I can imagine, you know, I'm going to be in Denver in a couple of days here, right? I can imagine, like, you know, there, there's Nikola Jokic sightings out in, out in public space. And imagine, like, walking up to him, be like, oh, man, Nicole, you're so great. I would be, you know, looking up at him, right? <laughs> These guys are enormous, right? It's like, man, you're so great. I just want to, man, I just want you to come and rule and reign in my life, right? <laughs> like, what would happen if you did that? <laughs> security, right? All sorts of things would happen. It would not, it would not be good for you, right? We get, so we can kind of, in some ways, because of the way that we think about worship sometimes and, and affection and admiration, we can, we can actually kind of have a, a little bit of, con, of a conflation between how we think about people we really admire and, and Jesus, who we also really admire and who we also really love and, um, and all that. And, you know, David talked last week about, uh, about the kingdom of God being a worldview, right? It's it really, I thought it was a great teaching. You should go back and listen to it if you, if you did not. Um, and, you know, I think, unfortunately, even, even for a lot of us as Christians, I think a lot of us really have a, essentially a secular worldview that just has Jesus, like, as an add-on, <laughs> It just has Jesus as like someone that you're also like a really big fan of, that you also really love, and that you have a lot of affection for. And so what we're talking about when we talk about the kingdom of God and what that means is like, it's not that, right? It's not that at all. Um, the kingdom of God is much deeper than that, and worship is much deeper than that. It's just, it's just that we don't really understand it quite the way that Scripture means it. 
No, the kingdom of God is much deeper than that. It's about the rule and the reign of God. And so, so this morning, what we're just gonna we're gonna just look at a very familiar like one verse, and we're just gonna take a couple things out of it. Okay. So, this is in. If you got your Bibles, um, you can turn to Matthew chapter six. Um, by the way, I've got I've got my physical Bible here. I always like to advertise. We will give you this ESV Bible um, to anyone who wants one. So, if you don't have a physical Bible, we love. We love scripture. We love it in all forms. I especially think it's a good idea to have a physical Bible. So we can get, you, can, you can get one of these for free. Um, so we're going to be in Matthew 6, okay? And we're going to talk about so what does the kingdom of God mean anyway? And in Matthew 6, okay, if you turn there, uh, you'll recognize that it's, we're kind of right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, okay? This famous teaching from Jesus. Um, you know, going back to this idea about Jesus, you know, being a fan of Jesus, I mean, there's a lot of people who um, don't, don't follow Jesus, who really love, you know, really think Jesus was a great guy, you know, love him as kind of a fan and think, man, look at all these great teachings that he had. And probably a lot of that is oriented around some of the teachings that you see in the Sermon on the Mount. He says some pretty remarkable things, insightful things. And so, yeah, starting in chapter 5, he's, you know, he's talking about the Beatitudes, and he's talking about, um, you know, really practical things, anger, lust, divorce. There's, there's just, there's so much seemingly great advice, but one of the things to really understand about it is that actually what he's talking about is not earthly wisdom. You know, if you go through the Sermon on the Mount and you read this for earthly wisdom, and if you only think about it that way, what you will actually discover is that it actually doesn't work super well in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, if you, if you think about, just for example, like, blessed are of poor in spirit. It's like, really? I mean, that's not, like, that sounds like a really, you know, cool, in, you know, insi- insight and stuff. But if you're thinking about that from a worldly perspective, it's like, you know, for those of you uh, who, who've been poor before or no poor people, it's like, no, that, that kind of sucks, you know? Like, we would rather not be, be poor or be poor in spirit or be poor in any sense of that word. A lot of the things that he says don't actually make sense in a worldly context. They're actually not great wisdom in that sense. What they are talking about is the kingdom of God. And so you've got to read it in the context of what the kingdom of God is about. And so he's going through here, and he talks, and there in chapter 6, he talks about uh, how to give to the needy. You know, again, this doesn't make any sense at all. He says, you know, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Don't trumpet aloud what you're giving. This is like totally counterintuitive to how we think, you know. I was, <laughs> I was talking to Devin the other day, uh, just yesterday, and he's about to go into to the SLU business school, right? And I went to the SLU business school, and at that time, it was, it was named the John Cook School of Business, and that is because John Cook gave SLU, like, a ton of money, right? That's how, if you have money, like, you want, and you give them to give it to people. You want them to like put your, if it's a little bit amount of money, you want them to put your name on a brick and stick it on a sidewalk, right? Or if you got more money, maybe you can name a classroom after you. Or if you're really, really special, they'll name a whole school after you. And so it was the Cook School of Business when I went there. But then later, this guy named Chapitz comes in, who already has an arena, by the way, named after him, okay? And all of a sudden, now it's the Chaffetz School of Business, right? So it's like, no, in, the, in a worldly sense, no, you, when you give money, you want everybody to know about it. That's the smart thing to do in a worldly sense. But he's not talking about that. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And so that's different. It's totally different. And so then he gets to this famous, famous passage 
um, about prayer. And so he says this starting in verse 5. It says, When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may, uh, may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. Okay, so he, he gives kind of two critiques there, right? Two critiques to two groups of people that pretty much covers everybody. The first critique is towards the Jews, who are listening, who are kind of his primary audience, and he says, hey, you know, same thing as giving. Like, look, if you are doing this so that you can be seen, like, actually, that, that makes a lot of sense in a worldly sense. He actually says, like, you have a reward. There is a reward for seeming really spiritual and seeming like you got all your stuff together. There is a reward for that, and you will have received it if you do that, right? If you pray uh, so that everyone thinks you're cool. Don't do that, though, because there's a kingdom of God that operates differently. And then he goes to the other group, the Gentiles. That's everybody else. So don't be like the Gentiles. So when they pray, and, and really this is one of the most, this is one of the most insightful um, uh, kind of summaries of like essentially every other world religion or belief system. Um, I would say even like in our society today, it's like, you know, even, even our secular culture has, uh, is essentially a religion or multiple religions, right? And, and this is kind of Jesus very quick, very insight, amazingly insightful uh, critique of that. And he's basically saying, you know, in every other belief system, you're going to use, how does he say it here, heaping up empty phrases. You're going you're gonna to beat the drum really hard. You're going to do a lot of things to try to get the attention of your God or gods. You're going you're gonna to lay it all out. You're going to throw all sorts of stuff at it in order to be heard. <laughs> You, to, to be heard, you've got to beat the drum really, really loud and, and say what you need to know. That's what, that's what every other religion is like. Okay? But what Jesus says is amazing. He says, don't be like them. Your father already knows what you need before you ask him. Now, wait a second. I thought prayer <laughs> is about asking for what you need, right? So it's like your father. Okay, so if he already knows what we need before we ask, like, like what is the point? <laughs> what is the point? Well, he says, pray then like this. I'll put this up on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So first of all, like, prayer is about acknowledging God, right? It's about, this, I mean, this is real worship, right? And this is not fan worship. This is like, really, no, you, God, you are God unlike any other. And then he says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we're asking this question, right? What, what does kingdom of God mean anyway? And I just want to pull a couple things out of this um, to hopefully just help us set up, set up our understanding, Okay. So the kingdom of God, just right in that verse, the kingdom of God, three different things. One, first of all, it is active. It is the active rule or reign, or another good word is order. It's the intervention, it's the breaking in, it's the active rule and reign of God. 
Okay, now why is that important? First of all, where does that come from? It says, well, your will be done, right? That's, that's an active thing. Why is that important? Well, it can be easy sometimes for us to think about um, the kingdom, right, as a noun, or kingdoms generally, as sort of the, just a state of existence, a place that you're in, right? And that's actually not what the kingdom is really about. The kingdom is the active rule and reign of God. Um, how many of you guys like cop shows? Does anybody watch cop shows a little bit? Yeah, here and there. Okay, so I, I've, I'm, I'm, I've been watching this one called The Rookie for the last couple of years and really, really like it. But one of the things that happens in it a lot of times I just always find fascinating is like they'll, they'll be going, you know, on a chase or something. They'll be going after some really bad guy. And along the way to get to that really bad guy, they run into other people who are committing smaller crimes, okay? Definitely crimes that they're committing, um, but they'll run into them and they will just move on, right? Because they're not going after the small crime people, they're going after the big crime people. So now, did the people committing the small crimes, like, were they, were they not committing a crime? No, they were, right? They were going against the law. So in terms of the rule in the reign of the city of Los Angeles, in the case of the rookie, they were, they were going against that, okay? But here's these cops, they just come in and they just basically go right by them. In fact, they sometimes pat them on the back and say, okay, well, thanks for that, right? And you can go, on, you can go along your way doing the, the, the illegal thing that you were just doing. Right? Rule and reign has to be enacted. It has to be exercised um, for it to actually be something that is real, certainly the case with the kingdom. Um, George Ellen Ladd has this great quote. He's a theologian that a lot of our, a lot of our kingdom theology um, was illuminated through him. He said, the primary meaning of both the Hebrew word malchuth in the Old Testament and the Greek word basileia in the New Testament is the rank authority and sovereignty exercised by the king, exercised by the king. So it is not just like, you, so, so for us sitting here, we don't just say, okay, well, we're just in the kingdom of God. We're, just, we're in church, right? Which, by the way, the kingdom of God is also not the church. We're in church, we're just sitting in the kingdom of God, kind of passively, you know, just enjoying things. That's not, that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is an active rule and reign, okay? Your will be done. The second thing is that it comes near. It comes near. Um, I don't know. I wrestled a lot with the words, so I just put more words up there because I didn't know how to say this. Um, but you know, in Mark's gospel, in the first chapter of Mark, when Jesus first hits the scene, the first thing, so a lot of you all know these words, but the first thing it says is that the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. That's the first thing he says. The kingdom of God is near, or it's imminent. One of the ways that I, I, I like to think about this is that it's personal. Like personal, definitely in the sense that it's, it's personal, affects you uniquely. But what I mean by personal is like, it's like in your face, okay? It's like us being, it's like if I was, you know, me and Ryan, if we were like talking to each other like this, right? It's personal, it's in your face. It's, it's coming near. Um, another way to think of that, it's like holistic. It, it impacts the whole range of your being, and it's completely relevant to all parts of your being. It's not just about one thing. And what he says out of this, on earth as it is in heaven, like everywhere and in all things. You can't get more comprehensive than that, right? Everywhere and in everything, we want the kingdom to come. Um, and, you know, one of the ways to think about this, I won't, I won't go into the text, but, you know, a couple chapters earlier, Jesus is tempted by Satan, right? 
This is famous, famously, he is, goes out in the desert for 40 days, and then Satan comes to him. And Satan uh, tempts him three times. And one of the things that is amazing about that, first of all, is that it's very personal. <laughs> Satan himself goes to Jesus, and he says, hey, I'm, I've got these things for you. I've got these things for you. And um, it's a clash of kingdoms. That's how you know. That's how you know that there's a kingdom dynamic happening is because uh, it's personal. He's getting in your face about it. Um, it's holistic. It matters in, in all ways. And, and so when we think about the kingdom of God, I think one of the things God wants us to know about it is that it's just much deeper, Right? There's so much more to it than what we give it credit for. There's so much more uh, that we need to understand about it than what we naturally do. Okay, and here's the, here's the last thing here. It's that the kingdom of God is received. It's received. It's, it's something that you have to yield to. So here's the thing about all the other earthly kingdoms is that they're actually imposed on you, right? Every earthly kingdom, every rule and every domain is imposed on you. And, and we kind of maybe get a little bit offended by this as Americans. I don't know about you, but it's like, you know, as Americans, we're like, we're free. You know, we govern ourselves. We're independent. Nobody can tell me what to do, right? And so it's like, it's a little bit, it's a little bit jarring to know that, no, actually, um, kingdoms are imposed on you. And the reality is, for each and every one of us, you're going to be ruled by something. You're going to be ruled by something. Um, John Wimber used to, used to say it this way um, in his famous teaching. He said, you know, I'm a fool for Christ. Whose fool, fool are you? In other words, like you will, you will serve something. You will definitely serve something. You will come under the rule and reign of something. The question is what? The question is what? And so the kingdom of God is it's active, it's near, but it's got to be received. Like, you, you actually have to welcome it. You have to yield to it. You have to surrender to God's active and coming, intervening kingdom. And so that's what we want to try to do. And I was, I was, I was trying to think of, I don't know, just how to, how to talk about that. Um, and as always is the case, it's like it always seems to involve talking about things that don't make me look good. So <laughs> maybe God will someday give me an illustration that doesn't involve me confessing sin of some sort. I don't know. Um, what well, We can hope. Um, but uh, this is a couple things just from this week, just from this week that he was showing me good things. But two days ago, I was in the parking lot of the Sam's Club on Big Bend, and I'm driving in. Uh, I'm trying to find a place to park. I see an open spot, and I'm not, I'm actually not in a hurry or anything, you know, my daughter's in the car, but, you know, she's, she's doing fine, there's no, not distracted or anything, but as I'm making this left turn into this parking spot, I just, I don't know what happened, I just, like, totally misjudged, like, how far away the other car was. <laughs> I don't know, how to, I don't know how it happened, but here I am, I'm driving, and I just, like, my bumper just, like, scrapes into the next car that's parked there into the rear into their rear panel there I'm like oh no uh, so annoying and so you know I parked the car and you know I'd like to be able to say that uh, my first impulse was something other than what it was um, but I can't 
my first impulse as I'm thinking through this is really, should I just ignore that this happened? You know, I've just, I've just hit this other car. Should I just ignore that this happened? And I'm like kind of thinking about it. I don't, you know, nobody's, nobody's really around. You know, Lainey's like, I don't know, she doesn't know any, know any different. It's not, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a huge accident or anything. It was just a little scrape. And she's like ready to go. She's like, hey, let's go in, let's go in. I'm like, oh, should I just ignore this? And then, and then I get out of the car and I look at this car. And this car is, uh, you know, it's, it's not the newest car in the world. Uh, I look around at the other side of the car. The side mirror on that other side is completely gone. Um, there's multiple dents and scrapes on that side of the car. I look at the bumper. Clearly, you know, the person had backed into something at some point and it had gone unfixed. And so, you know, so here's this little panel here that I've just kind of swiped. And, and I don't, my car, I drive old cars for, for this very reason. I, I, I don't care at all. Like, it doesn't, my car is like, yeah, that's just adds to, that whole side of my car's got problems. Like, this just, just added on to it, right? And so, to be honest, <laughs> my first thought is, man, how, you know, should I, should I do anything about this at all? Could I just ignore this? Could I really, I didn't say this, you know, I didn't, I, I, I tried not to think this, clearly, right? But the reality is, really, I'm saying, could I, could I get away with this, right? Could I get away with this? And, um, you know, in that moment, right, again, we're under the jurisdiction of the city of Crestwood, the laws of Missouri, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it's illegal in every jurisdiction to hit somebody and not report it. So, in every, in every rule of law, that's, that's probably not right. Um, so, so I, you know, I'm sitting there, but, you know, the reality is that at that point, I, right or not, but I, I think I could have talked myself into the fact that the active reign and rule of that jurisdiction was actually probably not going to catch up with me. I was not under that rule in that sense because it was not active. It wasn't in my face. If a cop had been there <laughs> watching me and been personal, that would have been different, right? But, they, but he wasn't. Okay, so I'm not ruled by that, or at least I could choose not to be ruled by that. So, you know, earlier in the week, I had, uh, had been in uh, spiritual direction, and, um, and is my, my spiritual director is so, she's, she's so well-trained. <laughs> like, this is a person who, in spiritual direction, they, they never, it's not like counseling, they never tell you, like, what to do. Not even close. They don't even get in the vicinity of telling you like what you should do. They just ask you questions, and you kind of get to where you need to go. And she just had led me really carefully to the spot of realizing that I've got a tremendous amount of judgment on myself. Like a lot of uh, a lot of the things that bother me, a lot of things that cause me anxiety, are for the reason that I'm judging myself really harshly. And, um, you know, this is something you're like, I, when, I, when I realize this, I'm like, man, am I, like, it seems so obvious, right? Like, of course I shouldn't judge myself. And, you know, and then she's like, well, you know, and, and where's God in that? And I was like, oh, well, yeah, of course God doesn't judge me like that, you know? Like, yeah, I know that, right? I mean, I've been a Christian for a minute, okay? But, that's really what was still going, has still been going on, is that I'm, I'm living under this, this 
tyrannical, I'll say, rule of this inner, inner voice where, I mean, we could get into, <laughs> this is in my therapy session, you know, like we can get into a long time of why that's there, but like, but I'm living under this rule of this internal voice that judges me really harshly. And so when I'm in a situation where I'm like, did something wrong, <laughs> and I want to get away with it, why do I want to get away with it? It's not because it's a big deal. I have insurance, and as it turns out, you know, the, the person you know, who, whose car hit couldn't have been nicer, super kind. The cop that called, he was, couldn't have been nicer. It's like, this is not, it's not about it being like a big deal in this case. No, it's about the fact that I want to hide, right? I don't, I, I, I want to hide from myself. I don't want to be under that, the judgment from myself, right? I don't want to be under that rule. So in, in a moment like that, that's where the kingdom of God gets real, right? I'm not under the rule of the city of, Kirk, the city of De Pere, or what was it? What did I say? Crestwood. There we go. Okay. And I'm realizing, no, I'm going to be ruled by something, and that probably by default is going to be my own self-judgment and my own critique, and that's why I want to hide. What's my other option? Well, it's to yield to, to receive the active, personal, near, coming near kingdom of God, right? To put my trust in him. And so that's, you know, that's a little, this is like a little, little choice, <laughs> right? Small thing. Um, but it's, these are the things we go through, right? And, and I, I really, you know, God, God is so generous to us to show us these things, if we can slow down for a minute, if we can evaluate, if we can take stock of what's happening, right? And that's what, that's what it took. That's what it took for me in this situation, is actually to stop and to be able to receive and say, you know what? I want something different. I want a different rule and reign in my life than the alternatives. I want to receive that differently. Um, so this is another quote. I'm going to read it. It's just, it's just too good not to, not just to blow by. The kingdom of God is not a realm or people, but it's God's reign. Jesus said we must receive the kingdom of God as little children. What is received? The church, heaven, what is received is God's rule. And we must seek his kingdom and his righteousness, like David talked about last week. What is the object of our quest? The church, heaven? No, we are to seek God's righteousness, his way, his rule, his reign in our lives. When we pray, thy kingdom come, are we praying for heaven to come? In a sense, yes, but heaven is an object of desire only because the reign of God is to be more perfectly realized than, than it is to, uh, right now. Right? That's why we want heaven. Not because, it's, not because it's such a great place in and of itself. It's because that's where the rule and reign of God is, on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we want. The prayer is a petition for God to reign, to manifest his kingly sovereignty and power, okay? I want the worship team to come up. And I have just, our invitation, I just thought David's prayer last week was really good. And just as an invitation to kind of be able to soak in that and sit in that, it's like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do basically that again. I've, I've, I've tweaked it a little bit for this message. Um, this is actually, a, like, this is a thing you can do. You can take prayers that other people have written, and you can actually shape them and pray over them, and you can kind of turn them over in your mind and just adjust them and just 
just sit in that. That's like a way that you can actually connect with God in prayer. And so, so I've just changed it a little bit from what David had last week, but I want you to pay attention as you pray this, and, and we'll do this in a second. We'll just, I'll just close your eyes and I'll pray it. And just pay attention to what comes up in your, in your body, in your mind. Okay? So just close your eyes. Let's pray this together. I'll pray it over you, okay? Jesus, help me seek and treasure your kingdom and your righteousness first. I want to live in and under God's rule and reign in every way. I want to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, God, that, that is our prayer, Lord. God, we want to be a people. We want to live lives and we want to be a, a church family, a church community here where you are as much as, as much as could possibly be true, where you are in charge where your rule and reign is the object, is the desire, is our longing. And so, Lord, as we come into worship this morning, Lord, would you form that in us a little bit more? Would you make that a little bit more true in us as we worship and then as we pray?